Uh, welcome to retroact Retroactive Theology Thursday. Uh, no, we're not talking about 1689 federalism. We're talking about the crazy Twilight Zone happenings of Saturday, which hasn't yet happened, which will happen, which if you get there, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Anyways, let's run the tape. Nick, are you in the twilight zone? I am. All right. And uh, tomorrow yeah. is Good Friday. All right. Why Oof. do they call it Good Friday? Well, um, good? yeah, it's good for us. Good for us, bad for Christ. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The whole Easter thing is messed up, bro. You know. Yeah. So today's Maundy Thursday. Is it? Yeah. So Maundy is the uh, from the Mandatum Novum, the New Commandment. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I didn't know that. Inspired um, day was the day that uh, Judas went and betrayed Christ. Yeah, man. So, like, we've got this um, person that's coming from Roman Catholicism to our church, and they're, they're just like, you know, she, she's always talking to me about this, like, you know, hey, on the lead-up to Easter or Christmas or whatever it is, uh, we'd be doing all these things. You know, it feels so weird to just not do all these, you know, preparations celebrations and and uh yeah it, it's crazy uh, you know I, it's okay it's fine it's just that i just what i don't like about it is that it it takes away from what should be the big thing about every lord's day yeah that's every much, lord's day is easter yeah and, and if it's not you got a real problem you know you it's really did and the resurrection every lord's day and yeah truly and we're not joking about that i mean that's like legit that's what paul was all about that's the, i just don't want to be known any about anything uh, or <laughs> be about anything other than than uh, christ crucified i mean you know so that that means nothing at all if it doesn't mean that you know he wasn't relating every part of scripture to uh, the death and resurrection of christ and i think like the reality is you don't have to you know, I, you know, like it's almost like go back and look at everything we said about Easter, or at least about Christmas, and I think you can apply that over again in Easter. Um, same sort I'm, of thing. I'm a both and sort of guy. Yeah, totally. And, and there's place for it. And as long as you're just sort of roping it in at the right places, um, is the big thing. And everyone's going to differ on that. But hey, you know, I do have the, the, um, um, I suppose the benefit of being the 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 most hardcore Puritan I know. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, right puritans hated easter man yeah and tattoos yeah that's true that's true well can't have it all <laughs> <laughs> um, all right so what we got to do in this um podcast is rope together um easter and eternal justification and why we need to repent in light of our forgiveness of sin and actually they all kind of work together don't they oh definitely that's amazing so perfect um, all right, let's talk about, um, well, I've got a few thoughts about Easter. Yeah. Um, well, okay, I suppose we're on Thursday right now, but leading into um, the weekend, you got Friday, um, Good Friday, crucifixion, um, and uh, perhaps much of what we'll talk about on Saturday deals well with that in terms of faith and, and active and passive obedience and that sort of thing, justification. Um, but uh, also just the resurrection you know you've you've got to deal with the resurrection on easter you've got to think about it you've got to um consider i think it, i think the two big points for me always 
um, in going into any sort of consideration of the resurrection are, uh, number one, um, the apologetic value uh, involved uh, yeah. as God leaves this great sign to humanity, so to speak, in this historical, I don't know, verified, distinguishing point from everything else religious in this world. fact. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's just something that you're just not going to find something like that in any religion in the world. And it's something that has massive, massive, massive importance if you care about finding the truth. So, you know, there's that. And then and then the theological meaning of resurrection, of course, is, is absolutely huge. And, and uh, there, there's a lot to talk about there by way of eschatology. But I think maybe one of the most devotional points that come out of it is just simply that God... God essentially uh, verifies and validates and accepts the work of Christ on our behalf. And, you know, because Christ is risen, we will be risen. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. He was, risen, he was resurrected for our justification, Romans 4, verse 25. Yeah, there we go. And, um, and so that's a good preempt to, um, to what we're talking about in justification on Saturday. But, um, you know, let, let's move on to think about how that might go wrong sometimes with eternal justification. And, uh, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, like I've actually weirdly enough done a lot of thinking about this. Um, and that was kind of indirect, you know, in that I just wanted to figure out what on earth I went through this Gill crush. John yeah. Gill, John Gill was my squeeze for a long time. Every reformed Baptist has a Gill crush phase. Yeah, that's true. I mean, how could you not? I mean, seriously. And a Spurgeon crush phase. That's right. So my Spurgeon crush phase is very, very short. I just like, I, you know, I appreciate everything about the guy, except I can't get through a whole sermon, you know, which is yeah. weird. I know it says more about me than it does about him, but it's just like, he just does not do anything normal with the text, you know, which is just, it, it freaks me out. Whereas Gil was just very down the line, you know what you were going to yeah. get. And, uh, you know, you're basically in kind of modern categories of exposition with Gil. So, um, so yeah, I had a big, big crush. Um, and so, but, but the problem with Gil was he, 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 um, he was a big time. Well, he didn't, I think probably a better way to nuance that was not eternal justification, but more justification from eternity. And I see that as being slightly different in that we're not saying, um, it's almost like more in line with the, the, the Puritan, view of justification at some level and that you have an eternal, you know, you have a assumed very strong Calvinism where God's decree is just so important in, in yeah. electing, you know, um, the ones that he would justify that it's almost, almost impossible under that rubric to separate it from, from, you know, at least in terms of its value from what happens in time. And yeah. so, you know, the Puritans would talk about a justification from eternity and they would um, talk about a justification in history and they would talk about justification in, uh, in, in, in our personal profession of faith and they would talk about a, a future justification. And so, you know, Thomas Goodwin, all those guys. And, um, and so Gil, I think, is probably in that stream, except he went a little bit further than that in that he, uh, he actually collapsed the covenant of redemption and the covenant of grace. So all of a sudden... You have no real way of seeing a, a systematic distinction between what happens in eternity and what happens in time. Yeah. yeah. And it's also a collapsing of the pactum salutis with the auto salutis. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there are a number of errors. You've got to keep the pactum salutis distinct from the historia salutis, distinct mm -hmm. from the auto salutis. They're related, but they cannot be confused. Yeah. Totally. So the things that charismatics do is they collapse the historia with the order by moving Pentecost into a personal experience. Yeah, totally. 
Of Gethsemane must now become. Everyone needs their Gethsemane, their Garden of Gethsemane moment. Mm. You know, that is a unique historio salutis event. Mm. Mm. Totally. Not everyone to repeat. (laughs) Totally. And just if you're tracking with this and you have no idea what Nick's talking about, the pactum is uh, is this eternal idea. uh, the covenant of great uh, covenant of redemption, eternal covenant. Historia is the the outworking of that in time, in history. Historia, and the auto salutis is really what happens in our, in our, in us as we come to Christ, as we believe. So just keep those threefold. It's a really mainstream way of dividing that up. Um, yeah, but very helpful. Yeah. So to to confuse those categories is always going to lead to major major problems every single time. Definitely. Now. We've said that uh, eternal justification is actually uh, rebutted by the confession itself. It was an issue for them. They didn't want to give the impression that they believed that. Yeah. So uh, chapter 11, paragraph 4, shall I read it? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So it says, uh, this is the chapter on justification. Paragraph 4 says, God did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect. And Christ did, in the fullness of time, die for their sins and rise again for their justification. Mm -hmm. So there's the pactum salutis and the historia salutis. Nevertheless, they are not justified personally until the Holy Spirit in time does actually apply Christ to them. And so there's the ordo salutis. Yeah, totally. Huge. Um, And I suppose one of the things, you know, the the big key texts... um, is that Christ justified the ungodly? You yes. Know? That's important in that if you were justified from eternity, you would you would struggle to make sense of that. You know, yeah. th- there's no real way in which you could properly be ungodly. You were a son of wrath, you know? I mean, you you take a you take a, a look at any hyper Calvinist or yeah, hyper Calvinist because it often is one with uh, eternal justification. The reason why hyper-Calvinism ends up sort of going there is because um, they they it sort of comes from this collapse in the, in their categories or confusion in their categories, and um, and as a result of that, they don't feel the need to uh, profess faith in the same way. They don't want to give the give the impression that they've had anything to do with it uh, in time, and that you know that to, for for this whole thing to be properly sovereign. Uh, it needs to not even affect our our kind of demeanor, and so what they what they end up doing is is actually denying this big conversion turning point, and um, and and that's that's totally bad. I mean, you have to be able in your theology to understand that though you were eternally loved by God, and yes. um, and and thought of by God, and and planned to to get to that point of justification, you wouldn't you were under the actual wrath of God, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. So um, Calvin yeah. quotes Augustine as the paradox of being loved and hated by God before mm. you were converted. Yeah, and you know, like what I was going to say is that you know the only way for the eternal justification guys to get out of that, or the hyper Calvinist guys to get out of that, is that they they start saying that we're simultaneously in two covenants, you know, and uh, and mm. that we're in we're in uh, our Adamic covenant as long as we are in this body, and we're in um, you know also in the covenant of grace as 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 long as we're in this body. So they, they kind of say the same thing, but they end up just, it turns into a total mess, you know, as they try and work that through. Yeah. And uh, uh, one yeah. of just the pastoral implication, and this is just from a knowledge of the way that some uh, hyper-Calvinistic Reformed Baptists made a mistake, is 
what actually happened was as on a day-to-day basis, they had a lack of assurance of salvation. And so they didn't partake of the Lord's Supper mm. until they had a sign of their election right. affirmed to them in some emotional way. Yeah, because it has to be emotional. You have, you've, you've basically said goodbye to any uh, objectivity yeah. and justification in time. That's why it because must justification come. is by God's election, not by your faith or yeah. by your believing. So you now you need some sort of God, God's invasive, miraculous means mm. indicating your election to you because we're not justified by faith, we're justified by election. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And sometimes you hear the stories of these guys that, you know, they, they sat under this darkness for like three days and then eventually, you know, came to realize that they were, uh, you know, and we, we read we read those stories and we go, wow, you know, what, what holy <laughs> guys. But actually they're operating under a very bad theological rubric and, and uh, you know they're they're trying to conjure something up to prove to themselves what really should have been left to the process of professing faith, and you know. Um, and our uh, assurance, our assurance is based on the promise of God, the God who cannot lie, and He has said, "All those who believe will receive eternal life." Lord, yeah. I have believed, and we minister assurance to ourselves on the the basis of the authority of God's word, not our emotions. Yeah, huge point. This is a different. This is a different line in. Yeah, and you know it's good to think about this on Easter as well, because I mean, really, at the end of the day, if if you're if you're getting past Easter, if you're somehow able to move through the resurrection, um, with its declaration to you at every objective level, you know, that, I mean, if you're talking about God's promise to you and His work for you and and the Historia Salutis for you in the order, um. You know, it, it's just a real. It, there's only there's only one way that that's not going to have the impact of giving you the assurance of faith that you should have, uh, and that's if there's something wrong with your theology of justification. I know yeah. that I, I say that with pain because I think that was the case for me for a long time, and um, you know, it, it's almost like it's exactly what you just said. It's it's like you're it's just not really sinking in because you're thinking that right that's good, but there needs to be something more because I'm. I'm actually relying. It's almost like it turns it inverts and, and becomes a kind of Arminianism, which is really strange. Um, you know, Arminians would have the same trouble. They, they they need to feel something. They need to add something. They need to do something to yeah. to know that um, the work of Christ applies to them. But um, if you just leave it on God's promise um, and you let that fall in the way that it should in time as you profess faith, then just just leave it at that, and that's your assurance, and that's really the groundbreaking moment. Of Christianity, and what better what better time to come to that realization than than during Easter? Yeah. yeah. Now we know we're not justified from eternity. <clears throat> Justification is an auto salutis category, contrary to Burkhoff. Yeah. Um, so, but there is still a justification time problem, and it's the problem of if I was justified for all my sins, past, present, and future, mm-hmm. and God credited me as righteous and brought me into a state of justification. Mm-hmm. Why do I still need to ask for forgiveness of sins? Yeah. Okay. So, what do you think about the? Um, you've got the punitive and parental distinction. So, punitively, you've been forgiven, past, present, yes. future. <clears throat> Parentally, you're coming to your father. As, it's a beautiful and very confessional distinction. Yeah, totally. You know, you know who I got that from. Where? John MacArthur. Yeah, it's good. I like it. There, I said it. <laughs> I, suspect, I suspect he got it from uh, J.R. Packer. Yeah. But mm. uh, listen to the confession, paragraph five. Yeah. God continues to forgive the sins of those who are justified. Mm-hmm. And although they can never fall from the state of justification, mm-hmm. 
yet they may, by their sins, fall under God's fatherly displeasure. There we go. Wow. Nice. And in that condition, they usually do not have the light of his countenance. So this is now describing their experience. Yeah. Restored to them until they humble themselves, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. Yeah. And it's almost like you need to put it in the category of works, in that faith, we're saved by faith alone, but not that faith that is alone. And yeah. um, and so the faith that is alone is not going to show forth uh, any kind of fruit in repentance, but a, a faith that is faith will always repent. Yeah. You know, not that it's dependent on repentance, though, is what we're saying. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, a good verse to, that talks about this type of forgiveness is 1 John 1 verse 9, that if we confess our sins, so here's John talking to Christians who are already in the faith. They're not lying. They've called themselves sinners. They, they're walking with the apostles in the light, and now they sin. If they confess their sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. You yeah. know, there's, that's that on, it's that ongoing fatherly. It's, and uh, I, th- I think the emphasis is often on the relationship. You know, sin disrupts our relationship with God. You know, if we harvest it in our hearts, the Lord stops listening to our prayers. There's that real-time interaction between uh, us and God. We can't just whitewash our whole lives in the abstract and say we're justified. There's a day-by-day outworking of our faith mm-hmm. that God mm-hmm. holds us accountable to. That when we are naughty, <laughs> yeah. He reacts to us as a father. And when we are good, there's you know, He smiles upon us yeah. because of our good works done in Christ. Yeah, it's a big point. Um, again, people, tr- it becomes a kind of functional hyper-Calvinism when you forget that, you know, when you when you stop thinking of that real-time yeah. smile of God versus frown of God thing. It's, you know, that's part of the Christian life. And justification doesn't take that away. Um, yeah. It's just that we're saying, you know, our salvation doesn't depend on it, so to speak. And, and so the Lord's yeah. Prayer can still be prayed for every day. Forgive us our trespasses. Yeah. Yeah. That's what keeps your relationship with God real soft. That's what keeps you tender before God and, and your heart tender uh, towards sin. Mm. Yeah, so important, so important. And uh, a good word, again, leading up to Sunday. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully you're going to a church where, uh, if not, um, you, you get the gospel preached once a year at Easter. Let's hope, <laughs> you know, then, then at least you're getting a normal service that, that um, you know, will we'll always make reference to the gospel and uh, substantially so and uh, you know again to, to come to the table essentially and to to use that time fruitfully to confess your sin and to receive all that Christ has done for you I mean that's pretty much what we're talking about right now so yeah uh, just uh, had some uh, had some JWs knock on my door the other day because uh-huh. they uh, they have this special event at Easter time uh-huh. where they uh, they have the <clears throat> they have an Easter service where they remember the death of Christ. And so everyone watches the cup and the bread pass them by. Wow. And there are only 15,000 people in the world who are allowed to partake of, of their once-a-year Passover communion event. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it? How terrible is that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. It's like one of those, it's one of those frightening irony things, you know, where th- they are not partaking. You know, in truth, yeah. You know, and and it's and yet, oh man, it's just it's mind-numbing at so many levels. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So, amen. And even Roman Catholicism. I mean, it's only I don't know. Like they didn't even do the wine thing for for normal. You know, because there was the whole doctrine of implicit faith thing. So yeah. you you your your church, which was basically your priests, would believe for you, and they would receive the sacrament. 
um, in its fullness. And you would just get the wafer or whatever that was. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I think they've changed it now, if I'm not mistaken. You do the intention thing, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all sorts of craziness. But anyway, all to say, uh, thankful. Thankful for, um, you know, thankful for church. Thankful for a, a, a regular time to, to, to basically, you know, re, recalibrate to these very truths that we're talking about right now. It's everything in the Christian life. Good. Well, hey, that's Thursday Theology. Um, consider yourself theologically educated. That's right. Uh, bless you guys. Take it easy. Cheers.